Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End podcast. This is Dave and Rob on Saturday night, getting ready for the week ahead. Yeah, we got it. We hit it on another Saturday night. This is a, this is tremendous. Love it. Thank you for thank you for being available. And um, let's get right to it. So what we got here. Um, so first off, we have the 15 minute chart here of what transpired last week. Um, so I included the uh, 29th here of, of the last trading day of the month. I included that. Whoops. Um, you can see that on that Friday we had a uh, pop-up, which was expected according to seasonality, but with the concerns about the government shutdown and everything else, it did taper off and uh, so ended end up being a down day from the open to close. So then we come in on October 2nd, there was this stop gap provision. So market wanted to try to rally, but it was met with some selling pressure and um, it proceeded to flop around kind of pretty choppy with a little bit of a down down move here. And then on uh, Tuesday, we had the jolts report hit at 10 a.m. And that just sank it like literally in 15 minutes we see it just tanking uh, and it continued down uh, and pretty much closed uh, I think near the low here if not well bounced up a little bit here the next day and there was that motion to dismiss uh, Kevin McCarthy that uh, market was paying attention to as well which is sort of signals the troubles in the you know in the government politics and stuff so um then we uh, popped up and chopped around, and that actually, uh, you know, ended up doing pretty well for the day here on the fourth. And then fifth, we kind of had a inside day, choppy inside day. Actually, the day before was really an inside day as well. We didn't make a new low, and we were we started up here, so we had two inside days. And then we come in and we have the non-farm payroll catalyst that was before the market opened, knocked the market down, and it was able after a few bars there to start to recover. So um, there was some stocks that filled the gap pretty quickly. Um, there were some stocks even that actually opened flat and rallied straight up without having to sell off. But there was uh, uh, quite a few stocks that opened down and then kind of tried to climb and then rolled over and went down a bit lower and then finally turned. So uh, that first 45 minutes there was filled with a bit of uncertainty. But once it caught some wind at its back here, it uh, it didn't stop, you know, really all the way to the last 15 minutes. It was, it was pretty robust. And that pulled all those sectors with it. U.S. dollar also declined with this rally um, so that uh, helped some groups and some stocks as well so here we have uh, what happened on friday technology in the lead communication services next basic materials again because the dollar did decline um, and down in the bottom we had consumer defensive um, they just <laughs> ended up saying you know what we don't want those boring things on a day like today if we're on the comeback tour Davey Duck, if we're on the comeback tour, we got to buy all the risky stuff, right? 
So that's Why what kind of happened. Um, now for the week, you see that uh, energy was in the bottom. Consumer defensive also in the bottom. So even though the week had some soft spots to it, um, you know, it it wasn't like a really defensive week. There was a couple days in the week where the defensive list did the best, but also a few days where the risk on list did the best. Um, so utilities were suffering a little bit because, you know, rates were still getting more elevated bonds, were still selling off. And utilities tend not to do very well during a rate hike cycles or when the bonds are selling off and, and yields are going up. And the reason is that utilities have a large bond component to them. And what would you rather be involved in? Would you rather put your money where you can get the risk-free rate of return, you know, equivalent to what a utility dividend might be, but without the risk, right? Mm -hmm. Risk-free rate of return is what I'm saying versus the risk of holding a utility. And there's no growth in utility stocks either for that matter. So you might as well then go into a technology stock, which has some growth mm -hmm. if you want to play the risk game. So uh, when the rates go higher, I mean, there are a lot of avenues that investors look at that doesn't necessarily include the stock market, right? Mm -hmm. So um, for the week, communication services, and you know, you've got your Googles and uh, your Meta, stuff like that in there. Technology, obviously, uh, and consumer cyclical has the Tesla in there. And so it, it didn't do too, too bad, but um, certainly wasn't a, a leader for the week. But communication and technology took it. And then last week we showed you the XLE chart, and uh, this is a weekly bar. So this was the, the, the magnitude of what happened in the oil patch here for the week. Um, obviously, very substantial pullback. And uh, but we have run into a couple moving averages here, so please take note of that. And then also we'll talk about a catalyst later that might might be able to turn this back up. We'll see. But uh, you know it was kind of you know on its way towards uh, 95 bucks here on XLE, but now we're down at 85, so it's quite a substantial drop. So here's your ETF performances for the week. Again, this is the sector spiders plus the market ETFs. We can see uh, small caps suffering. That's one of the reasons why the five-day list didn't go so well, and even some some of the days where the neutral list was struggling. And 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 it, it had a the neutral list had a positive week overall, but uh, it still struggled on some days because there is some small cap exposure on the long side, small and mid cap. And on the, on the short side, there, there's more large and mega caps. So um, that little bit of exposure when you have bad performance in the IWM as compared to the Qs or SPY is where you get that um, those problems cropping up. So make note of that. Uh, a subscriber could always 
you know, look at a list and, and choose things based on, you know, the market sentiment, the pre-market conditions, the kind kind of traction that, that uh, any particular capitalization is getting. You know, sometimes it's all about the mega caps and sometimes it's all about the small caps. Um, so the market goes through these different stages. You know, it, it has its own attitude and its own sentiment at any given time. And you can see clearly that the small caps are suffering right now. And that story is probably not done yet. And when it does get settled, when you do see the proper conditions and environment for small caps, then they'll probably be on fire for a while. So we're not there yet. Q's obviously doing well with, uh, again, look at the NASDAQ 100. I mean, you've got what people like to, to buy even on down days like we had on Friday, right? Gaps down and yeah. what do they like to buy? They, they'd, you'd think they'd go into the Coca-Colas of the world, but no, they go into the tech stocks and there you have it. So, um, again, XLC doing well for the week, um, XLK. And healthcare actually came did okay for the week as well. But there's your utility suffering, your consumer staples suffering, and of course your energy getting shellacked. So those were the three worst. So relative volumes were really robust. So we're all over one on all the ETFs here uh, with, of course, this doesn't hold this doesn't bode too well we had 2.58 relative volume on the consumer staples so they were definitely hammering hammering that and uh obviously you know putting it in other places um so in even utilities very high so the ones that were down had high relative volume so it looks like let's sell that stuff and buy the other the other things that we want but the reason I wanted to point this out is because even on comeback tour type days like we had Friday where we opened down and we rallied, often people have to think quickly, traders have to respond, and they often just do the ETFs rather than go into stock selection. And I'm not saying that's the right way to do it because, you know, the ETFs can be in themselves more of leading indicators and the stocks could be lagging, but you also might get better alpha by doing a stock. Like if you have a stock that has a higher beta and it slingshots back, you'll get better performance, better bang for your buck out of that than you would the ETFs. But I'm just saying that the general approach in the last number of years seems to be when markets change and transition quickly, everybody just piles into the ETFs and the stocks because I looked through the stock list and only 25% of the uh, NASDAQ 100 had relative volume that was higher than one. And 40% of the list had relative volumes that were uh, much less than um, one. So my point is that it wasn't that the stocks had great volume for Friday, but certainly the ETFs did. Okay, so keep that piece of information handy because that's that's what we tend to see when markets transition or you have these gap type days that reverse. Here's Friday's map of the market. 
So there you can see clearly <laughs> in the consumer defensive area, Walmart, Costco, you know, getting hammered, lawn delays, you know, uh, even in the boring stuff in communications. Look at the difference between Verizon and AT&T versus Meta and Google, right? Um, you know, just uh, such a contrast. Down here in the uh, restaurants, they, they were uh, not doing too well. And then, of course, in energy, you did have uh, some of the exploration uh, do okay on Friday. There was a bit of a bounce back in energy overall, but um, not participating was Exxon and Chevron. And it becomes even more dramatic here when we go to the map for the week. Now you see everything being picked up. Now, uh, PXD is uh, an acquisition target, so it's obviously um, marching to a beat of a different drummer than the rest of them. But um, you know, the oil patch was uh, definitely hurting for the week. Home improvement, Airbnb, that's discretionary. Tesla had a good week. That kind of held things up, I would say. Tesla probably contributed the most, uh, and Nike and Starbucks too. The consumer cyclical uh, holding up. And um, financial services can be quite mixed because of you know this interest rate flip flop thing that we got going on right at the moment. You know, it's been been rising, and then all of a sudden it pulls back a little bit. So that can really throw the financials around. Uh, in that sense, you know, energy and financials can be, I think, a lot even more difficult to trade than hopping on the bandwagon of, say, tech or, you know, healthcare or something. Um, tech can actually be more forgiving than trading the energy patch or financials, in my opinion, um, only because when there's that risk on appetite, you know, most things get pulled along with it. Now, I know for the week you see some red spots here, but overall, most things that you would find that are really liquid and probably around the price that you want to trade, um, you know, get pulled along with it. And that's that's just a good example here of what happened for the week. You know, your consumer defensive was really suffering. Uh, Walmart and Costco, you know, had a bad Friday, but for the week, Coke and Pepsi just got pummeled, monster. But you know, there there is some element of your, you know, you're past the summer, and I find that like the soft drinks and things like that, they can be uh, better, and even home improvement and things like that can be better in the springtime ahead of the peak season and then when you roll out of that season you know there's often some profit taking or or they'll just sell it and buy other stuff so some rotation there okay uh dave take it away with economic reports here yeah so this week's themes are fed speak and inflation data so monday we have a dallas fed president logan speaking that Governor Jefferson speaking. And then Tuesday, there's a wholesale inventories. And then Wednesday and Thursday are the, the meat of the week. So we have core PPI, producer price index on Wednesday. 
I think the big number of people are watching us on Thursday, the core CPI, and that's going to show us how, how inflation is doing. And then Friday, there's uh, some consumer sentiment data. Uh, so think, think uh, Fed speak and mostly the inflation data this week that could drive the markets. Yeah. Um, before we go to the next slide here, the the minutes, you know, the minutes do um, have sometimes even more of an impact than the actual FOMC. It's strange, but it does. I have seen it before, so keep that in mind. That um, you know could could trigger something, but definitely, you know, PPI is a is a big is a big thing uh, for this gauging inflation. And as Dave said, this the core CPI is is huge. And last year on October the 13th, we had uh, CPI numbers that were a shocker. Market gap down huge and rallied back. Um, it was a very dramatic rally, and that was that marked the low of the year. Um, so this just shows you the significant uh, significance of core CPI. Um, and then, of course, the sentiment as well. So there's a there's a lot in this week that you know will help us again gauge inflation and things like that. So what about some earnings this week? What do we got? It's we're getting yeah. into you know the start where you start to get that trickle of earnings, and then it will build. The following week will be even more, and then the following week even more. So where are we at here? Yeah. So Monday is Columbus Day, so no, no earnings there. Tuesday, Pepsi is the big one. And then nothing on Wednesday, Thursday, Delta Airlines. And then on Friday, Wells Fargo. So we got a little bit of everything, some staples and uh, financials and transportation there. So just three big ones. Now, Pepsi had a bad week, you know, prior to its earnings coming up. So um, that's interesting. So if it has a good catalyst, I mean, there could be a trade in there. Or if it has a bad catalyst, maybe it gets it out of its system, and you know that's then the the advance of earnings flushed some, and then some could be a good good turn. And if we do get into a market which is more risk off, um, then money could come back into a you know the Pepsi's of the world. So just keep that in mind. It's always that sort of dynamic of what has happened prior to an event like earnings prior to a regime change, like we go from risk on to risk off or something like that. So on that note of Columbus Day that you mentioned here, uh, Friday was a, a bit of a reminder of October 13th, as we discussed, the October 13th was the CPI numbers. So this, this past Friday here, we gapped down and rallied throughout the day. Um, it was the non-farm payrolls number, so it wasn't that dramatic of a catalyst as the CPI numbers, but the reaction I felt was similar. Uh, it just it just felt like the same kind of day, even though it wasn't as dramatic of a move, but it just kept building as we went on from that discount. Um, you know, and the move, that move on Friday would probably have resulted in a follow-through type Monday. Right, that I could see this just following through to Monday. Now the bonds are closed on Monday for Columbus Day, and the Canadian markets are also closed for Canadian Thanksgiving, and that means that institutions 
are offline regarding the equity side of the business. And um, there's no one, like the bonds can sometimes keep the equities honest. So both of these items will result in lower volumes and liquidity for the U.S. equities without Big Brother around to keep the equities honest. So it's a it's an interesting day. And we have this from time to time, and you, and you need to pay attention to the, the potential drop in liquidity and what that can mean. And now there's a new catalyst that adds downside risk, especially with the liquidity concerns. So we would have had upside potential with low liquidity, meaning the bulls could have been in charge on Monday. But we now have a catalyst with combined with that low liquidity and no bonds around that could, you know, have some serious implications here. So let's discuss that. What is this new catalyst? Well, Middle East conflict. So Israel had a holiday, well, has a holiday. It's called Simchat Torah, which runs October 6th to 8th. It's actually compressed into a 24-hour period, but um, that's what generally happens. It's a celebration following the week-long Sakat. And, you know, not supposed to work and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Friday night to Saturday night is Shabbat. And, again, it's the Jewish day of rest and celebration. So both of these things are combined. So basically, celebration, candles, food, lots of stuff like that, and no work and blah, blah, blah. So, um you know, kind of interesting that early Saturday morning during these celebrations, the IDF was caught off guard and over a thousand Hamas terrorists entered Israel through a variety of means. So they picked a day where there's, you know, maybe less people working, less people at their posts, things like that. I did hear that the IDF had been uh, a lot of them that were at, supposed to be at their posts um, at uh, the Gaza Strip area um, border, the Gaza border, were actually moved to the West Bank for some reason. So that was, there was a lot less people around. So that's very interesting. And this whole thing about the IDF getting caught off guard and this being a surprise is interesting as in itself as well. And it's 50 years to the day of Yom Kippur, where Israel was surprised then. But this time the war is not at the border, but it's inside Israel. So a little different. And there are, the numbers keep going up all the time, so I won't quote them here. But um, there, there's a, a lot of injured and, um, and dead. And then there's been people kidnapped, um, families. Um, you know, teenagers, young kids, you know, uh, grand, grandma and grandpa's been actually kidnapped and taken into Gaza. So, um, and then there's been um, IDF uh, members killed and, and paraded through the streets of Gaza. So this whole thing is uh, very uh, ugly and very serious, of course. And what it meant is that uh, Israel has now gone to a, you know, a state of war and the 
Israeli Security Council cleared the uh, ability for occupation of Gaza. So that means that uh, troops are, are going in there. And they've already leveled a few of the taller buildings so that some of the key locations that Paris can fight from are, are, are leveled. Um, now, there is some serious implications that this is much more than a skirmish. Um, I mean, you've, you've got implications of, um, you know, disruption to what, what was happening with the Saudi Arabia, Israel negotiations. Um, you have implications that the Hamas would not have been able to pull this off without, um, you know, some nation state. That nation state, uh, I won't, I won't name, but um, there is implications that you know it, it's much bigger than just uh, you know the usual uh, flurry of rockets that uh, comes from the Hamas. Um, in fact, over 5,000 rockets were launched, and the interesting thing is the Iron Dome didn't um, interfere with that. So why did so many of those rockets uh, get through and hit their target and and all that without the Iron Dome doing what it's supposed to do? So there's some uh, there's some serious serious implications here, and, and what this means is that uh, we're going to have more elevated risk. I mentioned this on my Tuesday meeting to some of our traders. I said we're already in an elevated state of risk. And this is just an example of the type of season in life that we're in. The world is moving closer and closer to a hot war all the time. And, um, and this is just another step in that direction. Um, because this can draw in other countries into the conflict. And we, uh, you know, could very quickly move from just localized skir skirmish to something much more serious. So uh, sectors impacted. Um, healthcare and utilities are less impacted and they're more defensive. So now when you look at what has happened with the utilities being at such a discount, and yes, they have been impacted by the rising yields, but it might be possible for the bonds to actually move higher. The problem is on Monday, they're not trading, right? But as, as this thing continues, you know, this war isn't going to be settled in a day probably. So um, as this continues, the bonds could rise, which means yields could drop. It's possible for that scenario. That would benefit utilities, but even the sense that they're, you know, their defensive could benefit. So, um, and healthcare is, is usually defensive. Like if you're going to do any sector rotation, you might get out of some of the riskier stuff and just put it in healthcare. You know, tech and communications are less impacted, but broad market sentiment and risk aversion could affect those sectors. So, like communication could be split like the telecoms, like you saw Verizon and AT&T were lower last week, but they could actually 
be less impacted on a sell-off. So we're, I want you to think about relative performance, not just absolute. It's like if everything goes down, what goes down less? Or is there something that could potentially go up? So finances, financials might be impacted by sentiment. They usually are if there's going to be a recession or this or that, they could be impacted. Um, but it's, it's harder to judge how they'll respond to this. The defense industry, now if you go inside your sectors and you go into the actual industries, the defense industry within the industrial sector could be positively impacted or exhibit relative strength to other groups. Right, because if you're in a, you know, war and more war, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, defense contractors could benefit. Right. Energy. Now, there's no indication that the supply lines will be interrupted with what's going on at this point, but if the conflict draws in other countries, oil prices could rise. And we showed you how much energy had dropped last week. XLE was down five and a half percent or more last week alone. So um, that could be great place to to you know to re-enter on this type of a conflict. But again, it doesn't have to kick in right away. Basic materials could be impacted due to the US dollar and the prices in commodities. So um, we saw a slight pullback on the dollar on Friday and basic materials did okay. They were th number three in the, in the list of sectors. Um, but you know, this war could cause the US dollar to move higher too. Um, so that would negatively impact basic materials. So just think, just think about, you know, the implication of, and, and definitely watch your leading indicators. Okay. And then REITs, well, they depend on rates. You know, so if bonds aren't trading Monday, but like following that, you know, if bonds are rising and yields are dropping, that could benefit your REITs. So um, overall, let's just pull over where we're at here with the some of the currencies. So the U.S. dollar had three days of pulling back right there. The euro had three days of bouncing. These are usually moving opposite. Euro, U.S. dollar down, euro rises, or vice versa. Now, you know, Germany has uh, real economic uh, problems. Number four strongest economy in the world, but it's definitely been suffering. And you can see the long decline of the euro. Um, and again, when I think of the euro, I really think of Germany having you know, the, the clout and the, and, the, and the leadership and so on. So um, it's starting to pop up a little bit as the dollar declines. Um, we've got the Canadian dollar and the Australian. Those are, even New Zealand to some degree, those are commodity sensitive. So as the dollar declines, those uh, usually benefit. Japanese yen, that's more the carry trade. That's been you know, um, basically borrowing yen to buy dollar and dollar denominated assets. All right, let's just take a look at uh, where the bonds are here. And we can see that um, we've had this long trend down and, um, you know, we'll, we haven't had any meaningful turn yet back up, but that we can see next week, this could be where the action happens starting on Tuesday after, <laughs> 
after the Monday holiday. All right, and then finally energy, um, and you can see the big uh, big drop that we've had. Even we looked at XLE, which had almost got to $95 and it pulled back to 85, but Brent crude, you know, it was even higher than 95, right? And it's uh, it's gone back to 84, so. So there you have it. I think we covered enough for tonight, but uh, any comments, Dave? No, it's gonna be an interesting week. It's going to be interesting, and uh, you know, it's not not fun when the world is, uh, you know, having wars and potentially more wars, and people are getting uh, harmed and killed. And this is not 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 good to think about. But there, but your job as a trader and your need to provide for your families um, means that you have to be on top of uh, the news and the catalysts and. Uh, it's always about, you know, uh, your six pillars that we talk about, you know, your your fundamental foundations, your fundamental buckets you draw on. And it could be that, you know, any point in time that just value is more important than growth or growth is more important than value. It could be, uh, you know, your statistics like stock odds helping, uh, you know, give you some selections of what might perform really well or not. And, you know, then you can add more if-then statements to it. You could keep the winners, you know, close the losers. Uh, you could just pull one or two stocks you like out of the list. Like some of our traders uh, focused on some of the great long stocks that we had on Friday and just, and just played the long with the SPY standing by as a hedge or Q standing by as a hedge. So you can always do that. Um, then you have your technical considerations. You can always use your indicators, smoothed indicators, things that help you stay in trades longer. Look for your hammers, your shooting stars, things like you know inflection points. You can also use um, you know historic relationships. Um, how how do things generally move? Like we just discussed, if there's war breaking out, you know, hey maybe. The defense contractors, uh, you know, do better, and maybe energy will do better. Um, and then you have your sentiment. You know, the market doesn't weigh things; it kind of responds reactionary and emotional a lot of times. Um, and then in this week, we've got like CPI and PPI and Fed minutes and things, so there's some backdrop there that can affect the sentiment. And then you have your news and macro stuff. And we just talked about a big macro. So there you have it. And with that, we'll close it off. And you guys have a good week trading and uh, all the best. Good luck.